Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. So, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment podcast. Chaplain Jim Parkin, and this week we have with us Eric Levine, out front here with us from Texas, and host of the Two Cops One Donut podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, brother. Glad to be here. So, what I kind of just want to get into tonight, we'll just have a conversation. I want to talk about the podcast medium because I, I, it sounds like we're doing a lot of this for the same reasons. I just kind of wanted with I'm a you know, I started in the fire service and then transitioned into being a paramedic, which is if you know anybody in the fire service, most of them would tell you that that's the opposite of, yeah. of, of what you would want to do. But I like the medical side better. So I was, you know, I've been a paramedic for 17 years and on the road for 19 total. But I just, my intent with, with our show is the same thing. Just give people actual real information, you know, kind of share what it is that we do instead. Yeah. Of, yeah. Better you than the, me. I can't, I can't do medical stuff. I don't like touching people's nastiness. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, I mean, I got peed on today. That's just, is what it is. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> nope. I don't do spit, puke, pee, poop. None of it. I don't like any bodily fluids. That's why out of all of them, I went police because they deal with that the least out of all the services. <laughs> so, yeah. And can't you just spray out the back seat? You can just hose it I, out, right? I don't even have to do that. We have a bio team where I'm at. So I just tell oh, them, Hey, I got bio awesome. in the back. Y'all need to clean that. Cause I ain't, <laughs> I ain't cleaning that. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And now we have like, since COVID we like, if you have a like possible COVID positive patient, then we have this full protocol oh, yeah. that we're out of service. Got a decon. Ugh. Here in Flint, we decon for bed bugs quite a bit, a couple times, three times a day. You know, it's, yeah. When I was still in patrol, I was always making sure that, you know, take the boots off before I come inside. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, you know, very careful about what contaminated things I brought in. My uniform immediately goes, it doesn't drop off my body anywhere but in the washer. Oh, yeah. 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 You know the drill. <laughs> we, we follow that protocol. Yes. So... You're, I listened to a show the other day. You're all, you're still in the air force. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, actually in what's called the IMA individual mobilization augmentee. So rather than being in a traditional reserve unit where it's all okay. reservists, I'm attached to an active duty unit. So they do the job 365, 24 mm-hmm. seven. And I come in and play weekend warrior, you know, for my 24 days of the year, I get to make my own schedule. It's pretty Ooh. cool. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I do all my time at once. So instead of oh, doing yeah, one weekend sick. a month, two weeks out of the year, I do all 24 days straight. Yeah. Yeah. It's See, nice. So I did the army, but like I'm 52. So I was in from like 90 to 96. Okay. So kind of that lost generation where there was nothing. I mean, <laughs> Mogadishu or like as most people know, a Black Hawk Down mm-hmm. that, that went down and stuff like that. Uh, during basic training, like Desert Shield, Desert Storm happened before I was done with training. Uh, 
know, that was a thing. You're all going to go to war and you're all going to die. And yeah. It, yeah. Nope. It was over before we graduated, but yep. that I, was my I, things served and got out. And I signed up, um, in Oh six. Um, I, I had just started college when nine 11 happened and, um, was, I, I knew I was going to be a cop, but the military was kind of calling my name, but I had, I wanted to do the college thing. And then, uh, as, as things were progressing with the war and all that stuff, I was like, man, you know, I had to convince my wife, but I was like, like I kind of want to join like before I become a cop before it's too late. I just kind of want to do that. So I ended up joining a little bit later in life, considering, uh, the normal age for military members. I was about 23, 22, 23 when I joined, did my active duty time for four years. Um, and then I separated, uh, honorable discharge, all that. And I was out for about six years. And then I got to Texas, became a cop down here. I was a cop up in Saginaw, Michigan for a little bit. And then, uh, came down here and, uh, decided that I didn't want to let all my military time go to waste and wanted the dual pension when the time came dual retirement and, um, jump back in the reserves. I found out about the IMA reserves. So, um, I did that and, uh, now I do both and, I'm a, I, I, as you can tell, I'm obviously a busy person. I just need to have oh, something yeah. going. So whether it's the military, I, I did my master's degree that, which was what sparked my podcast idea, but, um, oh, police right. work obviously in itself is pretty busy and then two daughters. So yeah, stay pretty busy. <laughs> oh yeah, man. And that's, that's how I'm running it too. I've got four at home here, you know, from 14 or from 15 rather down to sit. Well, the youngest turns six next week. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just constant, you know, yeah. and then if, if you, you've dealt with Saginaw, so then you have an understanding of what Flint's like. I grew up in Flint. So, oh yeah. All I right. was born at St. Joseph's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's the wild west. Oh yeah. Grew, I, I should say I was raised in Mount Morris. So okay. for fair, but I mean, it's it's just a little it's so, like Beecher Flint Mount yep. Morris all that stuff is <laughs> right there. So I check in service at where it used to be is Saginaw Clovis is the right up from Saginaw four seventy five is our little station that we check in. There used to be a Kmart across the way. There's like a haunted house now. So we start out and I work for MMR. So we are yeah. Flint and North, and then also. Cause everyone decided that they didn't want to cover grand blank for some reason. So we got to know why it's always been a nice city. I, right. I would want, I want to that's, cover grand blank. <laughs> that's, that's where the good money is in our industry. It's what yeah. they call the good payer mix. Yeah. So, <laughs> your voters are over there. <laughs> that's right. So yep. that's what, you know, we cover there, but then it's all like we get in the, the Flint vacuum. Like I could not get out of it today. Oh yeah. Like I don't doubt it. I'm gonna I'm gonna not check back available until we're on 475, and I would and like 475 Stewart, 86. Need you for a tier one in the city. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost, almost got him. Yeah, but I I tell everybody they're like, man, what's what's Flint like? Like, how did you grew, live there for so long? You know, I'm like, it's the Matrix. You don't realize <laughs> when you grow up in it, you don't realize you're in it, right? Until the military no. literally saved my life. I think you know. Um, mm-hmm. got me out of there and got my perspective changed. I was like, Oh my God, like 
you go to Montana, that's where I got stationed originally. And I was like, I felt like I was back in the fifties. Everybody's right. like, you know, holding doors. Good morning. How are you? You know, genuinely interested in what you have to say. And so yeah. nice to everybody. I was <laughs> like, this is amazing. There was no construction barrels anywhere. The roads worked, you know, it was like, <laughs> holy cow. What is this? How is this possible? I don't get it. They get the same snow and terrible weather right. and all that stuff too. But yeah, it, it really opened my eyes up. And then uh, obviously I was stationed or I should say to basic in Texas and all that and mm-hmm. kind of grew the bug, but I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. And then um, when I became a cop up in Saginaw and I saw Pontiac go down, their whole police department disbanded. Yep. I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, I got to get out of state. You know, if I'm going to raise, right. if I'm going to, you know, I think it's the husband's role to be the, the not necessarily the breadwinner. I, it's not that I don't think females aren't, the, the wife can't do that. But my sole purpose in life is to take care of my family if I'm able to right. and make the best decisions for us if that I can, you know. And so I mm-hmm. told my wife, I was like, we got to get out of Michigan. Like, I, I need you to trust me. If it doesn't work, we'll come back. I promise you that. But let's try. Let's see how it goes. I mean. Right. Let's see. And she trusted me. She trusted me with the military stuff and trusted me with that. So we did. And really, we haven't looked back. We, you know, Michigan is a lovely place to visit, especially if you go up to like Traverse City. You know, right. <laughs> I love that. that is, yeah. uh, I, 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 when I have to come back to Flint, I am quickly reminded why I left. Yeah. That's so we live in Grand Blank. And so I just, you know, my wife teaches at Mount Morris High School. Okay. What's so, the what's the environment like these days? I I I don't know anybody there, so poor. It's it? just it's just undereducated. She would tell you it's like mom and dad are undereducated, so the kids don't really they don't really care too much. Yeah, you know, and she teaches. I'm like personal finance and marketing and stuff like, but a lot of what she teaches is usable, like. You know, right. she'll, she'll be Life straight stuff. with them. Yeah. Like, listen, homie, you're not going to college. <laughs> like you barely come here. So these are some skills yeah. you'll need. Yeah. So, but yeah, Mount Morris is, you know, Beecher is not even open anymore for business. That's cool. But so you got that whole like Mount Morris township and that whole kind of corridor that we, that we cover in Clio and what Clio's not so bad, but yeah, that whole just North of the city, yeah. Which is like I spend most of my day. Kyle's next. It, it's just inevitable. It's what it does. It migrated and went from Flint to Beecher to Mount Morris mm-hmm. and Kyle's well, next. It's kind of like it's kind of like Saginaw and Flint converging together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely right. Yep. So sure. it's, uh, I don't know. Yep. Like I tell you, I love being a paramedic and I love being a paramedic in Genesee County because it's not like it's, anywhere else on earth. Yeah, I say business is booming. Oh my gosh. But like, so we're constantly on what they call critical status, which is like, I'm going twice as far response times. Oh, you know, there's just not many people doing it. Same with the, the, you know, in the city, same with Flint PD, there's still more people and like people for people who listen to the show, who've seen the documentary Flint town, they have more officers than they did when that was released, but still the state guys cover the sheriff's department now has a has a team that is covering in the city as well, and it's just and because the cities in, in that state still won't invest in what they need to invest in, you have cops that are working for two PDs 
simultaneously mm-hmm. because they they won't hire him full time because they won't want to pay him the benefits of a full time employee. Right. I got a cousin. He works for two different cities. He showed up one time to the wrong or to to one department in the other uniform, like he, he's just being run <laughs> ragged. And, right. And I'm like, dude, you got to get. You can do that same job, get the same satisfaction, help the same amount of people, and go to a state that supports police. And that's right. why I left. That's why I went where I went. I wanted to go somewhere where the citizens supported their cops and actually backed them up. Right. Because that makes it, it's a community effort. It has to be cops cannot do the job alone. And if you don't support what they're doing, well, now they're on an Island and then right. that whole us versus them mentality starts to really come out. Right. And uh, that's not fair to anybody. It's not fair to the cops, it's not fair to the citizens and the citizens are going to resist that and wonder why the cops have this us versus them and they don't have anybody to lean on. And then they're like, right. Well, you know, right. and they start wanting to defund, which is the complete opposite of what you should be doing. Exactly right. So, oh so man, which I, is kind of like what I want to get into. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's the idea, right? Because people, what's going on now with not so much with us, I mean, a little bit during COVID, but like for law enforcement, it's like, like everything else, the memification of everything is people get their news and all their information from what they see in a Facebook or Instagram meme oh, yeah. or a horribly grainy, terribly shot, you know, vertical video on someone's iPhone four. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's just, it's just one angle. Yeah. Like, and it could be, it could be in perfect high definition, but you only got three right. seconds of it and it looks right. horrible because you didn't right. see what led up to it. And then you didn't get to see what happened after. Right. Yeah. So um, like a buddy of mine's going through that now. Well, I feel like it'll come back around. It kind of went away, but he was, there was a horribly shot video of him from the angle. The video shot. It looks like he's punching a dude in the back of the head, but you know, that's not the case. Yeah. He was, he was hitting him like on a pressure point in the traps and the trapezius. Oh, okay, so it yeah. wasn't, but the angle yeah, that's the that break shot, plexus tie in there. Yeah. It, yep. you know, that's what he's attempting to do, but the optics and he'll, he even said like, the optics of this is like, yeah. you got to believe that's not what I was doing, but the optics and that's all people, that's all that matters. Were they wearing body cameras at the time? Uh, sheriff's department was not at that time. Not yet. They do now, okay. but yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, it, most of the departments in Michigan couldn't afford body cameras they had to use the grant money that went around uh during um obama's administration when he started pushing them after michael brown so right. um and, and just for your audience uh, to give you guys a background on me um born raised in flint uh michigan area um joined the military air force uh did four years active duty got my uh associates and bachelors in criminal justice and criminal science um Moved to Texas, became a cop in the DFW area. Um, I have to be vague uh, just because I'm representing two cops, one donut tonight. I can't represent my department because otherwise it could be fired if they say if I say something they don't like. Um, right. So I, I walk that fine line, but you know, y'all are worth it. Um, and then, uh, so I got down there. I'll say this: it rhymes with um, port birth. 
that's that's where I <laughs> I could say that uh, it's really easy to find out where I work, folks. Um, so I came down here, uh, joined back up in the Air Force. I'm a cop in the Air Force, Security Forces, um, and MP, Military Police, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, I pursued my master's degree in criminology and criminal justice. So I have a dual major uh, for my master's, um, which sparked my idea. Um, I have found in my 17, almost 18 years of policing that um, cops do not utilize social media um, in an effective way. Um, we underutilize it. And when we do utilize it, we do it um, poorly. And what I mean by that is we use it as propaganda. Oh, look, here's a cop petting a puppy. Oh, look, here's a cop conveniently shooting basketball in the street with three different camera angles with a minority child. You know, like... Who are you winning over? You're not winning over anybody that you need to. You're winning over the people that are already pro-police. So um, my thesis idea was like, we need to be utilizing social media in a better way. And we need to utilize it as a tool to fight crime. We need to utilize it as a way to bridge the gap between the community and first responders. We need to use it as a way to um, be transparent, as a way to, um, you know, just educate. So... Um, that's my background. That's kind of why this podcast and all that stuff got started. So if we're going to dive deep into the realm of, you know, policing and all that stuff, I just wanted people to kind of have a background of where I'm at right now <laughs> to get kind right of qualify on, right myself. On. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's wild to me. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of, so from our side of it, from the medical side, I really wanted to start, you know, we talk a lot, I deal a lot, like especially recently in the past, I think three or three years, three, I want to say in the past three years we've had, and locally we've had two firemen and two EMS providers take their own lives. So I've been really focusing kind of on the mental health side and stuff like that, but also like during COVID, people thought they knew what it is we were doing and thought they knew what was like what we were seeing. And so that was kind of like for me as well, it was kind of a re-up. I want to use this to help people understand what what it is the the EMS service does and what the fire service does and what law enforcement does and, and stuff like that. Because people I just don't think they they fully realize. They don't. Even, and I was gonna even say those they, that are fully on board with us don't really know. No, exactly, because they don't ever get a chance to sit down and talk with somebody that does it. And even if you do, let's say you talk to I'll, – I'll stick with police because I know that the mm-hmm. best. Let's say you talk to a patrol officer. Okay, well, I come from a large department. Have you ever talked to a, a neighborhood patrol officer, which is completely different than just a patrol officer? Have you ever talked to a detective? Okay, what type of detective did you talk to? Did you talk to property crimes? Did you talk to a homicide? Did you talk to – crimes against children did you talk to um, right. sex crimes did you talk to human trafficking so we just went down one side of detective work there we didn't even get in the swat we didn't talk about zero tolerance teams we didn't talk about canine now you got drug dogs bomb dogs you know arson dogs right. you got all these different facets and you can never truly understand what they do until you got a chance to either sit down and talk to them or podcast form which mm-hmm. is the only um un you know fettered ability to to sit yep. down and listen to somebody talk about that. And let's say you did listen to that SWAT officer talk and explain 
all the training he did to get there, what, what, um, his mission is, what, uh, what some, you know, myths are that he's heard, what he thinks they can improve on, what he thinks they do well, what they do bad. You know, you never, just because he has that one view, the next SWAT guy you talk to may have a slightly different perspective. Maybe right. in a different city, a different part of the nation. So it's important to have those conversations. So you're talking about the medical field. Yeah. The, the experience that my guys have, our ambulance called MedStar, where I'm at, MedStar, it, they don't hold a candle to my Flint EMTs <laughs> because they're not handling nearly the amount of traumas y'all have to handle. Right. You know, so, and that's at a population of a million people. Right. Versus Flint, that's not even at a hundred thousand, I don't think. No, but but they send the spec ops guys here to train. It's that's you know that you're in a high volume, (laughs) you know, high crime, you know, high trauma area when they're sending special forces docs for their trauma rotations. Yes, yeah, that's. I mean, you people that know they want to get in that line of service, they do one of two things: they go to a city that is deadly, or they go into the military and try to get right. deployed. Right. So, well, we pulled out of Afghanistan and Iraq. So now what are you going to do? Well, right. let's go to Detroit. Let's go to Flint. Let's go to Chicago. Right. Ooh. That's a whole different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be a Chicago medic. Um, nope. Not yeah, man. This is like, I've really enjoyed over the years using this long form discussion medium because it's still not regulated. Not really. Right. You know, it's still, yeah. you know, it's still like you can just have a full conversation and people can choose to listen or choose to not. Yep. But it's really where it's where I get the most of my information. Yeah. I'm the same way. I was watching a pot. I was listening to Joe Rogan and uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Right oh, I before. listened to that today. dude. Yeah. I'm almost done. I've got like, uh, actually I have 16 minutes left. It's sitting on the screen right now. I I love it. I like that. I like those types of conversations, educational, you know, interesting mm-hmm. people, stuff like that. But just like you said, nobody, nobody's regulating what we're doing yet. So, you right. know, the only people that really are is YouTube and that's if right. you're putting out misinformation. So right. like with my podcast, I put myself on as many platforms as I can, um, which I, I couldn't even list them all. I use Buzzsprout. I don't know if you use Buzzsprout. But uh, mm-hmm. Buzzsprout puts it out on all these different platforms I've never even heard of. But I hit all the major ones, uh, including YouTube and Rumble. So if YouTube tries to edit me, I'm still available on Rumble for the video. Oh, part. that's cool. Yeah. We've done some video and just not consistently. And we're kind of getting ready to work more towards building a set and getting more yeah. on video. Well, we're I'll on tell SoundCloud you this. now. Okay. What a travesty that was last month when SoundCloud went down. Oh, I didn't know. So that. one, one week, <laughs> one week, the episode went up and people were listening and I left work. So I left Mount Morris, drove to Grand Blanc. And when I got home, I pulled it up to look at numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. And the, the message I got was this artist has no content downloaded at this time. Oh, like everything was done. So for us, it's not just me. It's also like each Sunday, the church puts up their the Sunday sermon comes up. So it was like everybody's content gone. And then I got on this, like, like went online and started researching and they had done an update 
which had inadvertently like wiped the whole thing clean, but they obviously had backup. Yeah. And then the next week they had some issue where they were unable to push anything out. So usually this goes to it, like Google play iTunes, iHeartRadio. Okay. We put it on, you know, when we're paying attention, I would need to get better at this, but we'll put it on YouTube and all the other little platforms it goes out to. But yeah, I was looking at Buzzsprout. Seems like it'd be a better way to go. I love it because it, mine's long form, obviously. Um, they give you so many hours. I pay for the top tier. It's like 24 bucks a month, which is can be pricey for people that like us. I don't, you know, I'm not getting paid for what I do, but right. um, uh, I've been getting sponsors. So that's helped. Get, you know, it's taking care of the debt I already have, but, um, so it, it, what I like about it is if you go over, like, let's say you bust over, you know, it's, it's two bucks an hour that you go over. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like, oh, well, that's very fair. You know, that's right. not, that's nothing. So, um, and I go, I usually go over every month, an hour or two. So pay an extra couple bucks. So not a big deal, but I do like the fact that all the platforms they have are just amazing. And then, they let you make sound bites within their website and all this stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not exactly the most tech savvy. It's been, if you go back and watch my first podcast first, what I do now, you'd be like, Oh my God, this kid learned a lot <laughs> in the two years. I've almost two years I've been doing it. So, um, but yeah, it, I, I, you know, I never use SoundCloud, so I can't say much about them, but uh, I went with Buzzsprout simply because of how many platforms that they once you get set up, they push out to. Oh, right on. Right on. Yeah. So I can't remember what we started on. We may have started on SoundCloud or maybe like Podbean or something back in the day. Yeah. I've heard and of then, Podbean. I heard that's pretty good. And then, yeah, we switched over because the church was on SoundCloud. And so it's that account. But I got you. If it was, if it's like they're, they're always, what's cool is they're super supportive and open to, making if it's if that makes it more available for also their content then they'd be down i'm sure but yeah it's just it's been a long kind of slow burn process for me it's you know i mean i know what you mean <laughs> that it man i just I, i'm a i'm obsessive compulsive that's part of my personality i know that about myself when i get into something i dive all the way in until i master it and I've yet to master this. I, I feel like I'm constantly learning something new, whether it's dealing with just the sound or then starting to get into the video, like the way mine's set up now, I'm just it, exactly like Rogan. I did. I didn't reinvent the wheel by any means. I got my right. three camera angles, a wide angle, two close-ups. you know, um, I don't do anything fancy, like, you know, crazy light show or anything like that. I just keep it pretty simple. Um, and then, Obviously, you can see in the background with my stuff for your listeners. Right. I'm a Star Wars nerd, and I'm a whiskey guy. I I like both, <laughs> so um, I've got yes. a ton of Star Wars stuff over here, a lot of Texas stuff, and then I've got my whiskey collection. You know, my guests they come on, we're talking for two three hours, so I offer them a cocktail. If they don't want that, I shouldn't even say a cocktail. They can either get whiskey straight or they just get a water some coke or sprite or something like that <laughs> but um, yeah yeah that's how we do things that's cool i mean it's yeah it's a it's been fun and like i said we're just getting so where we're headed now my my partner i've been with the same dude for going on three years 
And so he's going to come in and we're going to put up, put up a set and then just. Okay. Kind of. Well, if you guys re- ever need any help, let me know. I can tell you, right I can on. tell you the stuff that I've learned from and the mistakes I've made, like this thing on, on like for sound, you see my table behind me. It's black. If you're just looking at it on the camera and you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's a moving blanket. <laughs> I did it to help make the sound better because right. my room has got wood floors you can see the brick wall behind me. Like right. there's, it's an echo chamber in here. So I, right. I had to sound dampen everything. So when we first started this show, we would record in my basement. And at that time we had mics and we're recording like everything was in person and stuff like that. So I put up like, uh, you know, I put up foam and stuff for, to make a little corner of the basement yeah set up and stuff like that but what i didn't do is put any of that in this in like the joist in the ceiling yep so there's a bunch of early episodes and like i would say episodes one through 50 you can hear like kids running around toilets (laughs) flushing (laughs) yeah and often like right on cue maybe in the middle of something toilet oh yeah 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 perfect i hear you so yeah, it's been it's a cool, cool medium, I think. If if there's one piece of equipment that I can recommend, if you if you put no more money into anything, it's just one thing. It's called the Roadcaster Pro 2. It's on the second edition. I just got the second edition. I had the first, but it is your basically your mix master. Sounds the most important part for a podcast. Um I offer a video portion, which sounds like you're gonna get into as well, but um mm-hmm. The, the sound is the make or break for people. Um, when you really look at the meat and potatoes of successful podcasting versus right. bad podcasting. So um, it's sound and I'm a dummy technology wise. So like I needed something that made life easy. That piece of equipment in itself is the the game changer. So nice. you can buy one thing. If your listeners are listening, donate to your man show, get, get him a roadcaster pro too. It will make a huge difference in his life and it will make things a lot easier. Nice. Yeah. yeah and we're still kind of like, uh, we'll record. I'll send Ashley the, the, uh, the show over and then she'll edit through, uh, like garage band or something. So like yep. we're, that's how I we're started. Sti- we're still kind of, we're still kind of there, but man, I don't know. Like I've told lots of people COVID was, a rough, as I tell people, it was a rough deployment in the healthcare yeah. in the, for this, for this little discipline of the first responder world. I don't know how bad it was out there, how right. it even affected you guys, but like, Oh yeah. Like all the extras and you yeah. know, that first, I would say the March through June, 2020 was. Yeah. I, I would say the, the, the higher the population, the worst it was, the worse it got just depends on where you're at. But yeah, for us, it was bad. I mean, we were, my whole department was just decimated. So yeah, I, I went through my own stuff with that personal stuff that I, you know, I, I, I got it every variation. I got it. Really? Not at all. Yeah. And I'm military, so I have to be vaccinated. Right. Um, I, so I get everything. I got all the, I got all the juices. <laughs> so, uh, get, well, get them all. That's funny too. Cause people don't realize, like I had friends that were like, they were mad. They had not served 
they don't really have a full like working, like an operational or a working knowledge of how the military is, but they'd be mad when they were hearing oh, these guys are being forced to, uh, to get vaccinated. I was like, dude, <laughs> I was like, they once introduced into my body this stuff that was as thick as olive oil, but looked like Mountain Dew and it told me <laughs> shut up and get in line. Yep. So like <laughs> these boys will be all right. They'll yep. be okay. They don't, well, the thing they don't tell you either in the military is like, you actually can tell them no, but they can boot you out. Right. And that's I what mean, they do. That's what they do. And they'll just invite so, you to go on home. Yeah. Because when you sign the dotted line, you are, you're there, you're their property in a way. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to continue to be their property, then you got to tote that line and do what they would need you to do. Right. But if, if you don't want to tote GI that line. GI stands for general issue. That's Yeah. They'll, they'll <laughs> you know, and like I tell people, yes, we still have a choice. But for me, I they've already injected me with so many things when I didn't know I had a choice. I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Anthrax. Whatever. I remember for six months, just the left side of my body ached when I took the anthrax stuff. I don't know what it did to me. I remember going to the doctor and of course he gave me standard military issued Motrin. So I had my oh, Motrin yeah. 800s and he's like, it, let me know if it goes away. And Is that still going. how it runs, man? Cause I know in the nineties, that's what you'd go in for anything and you get this, the tall can. Yeah, Motrin, Motrin 800s. There you go. Or Every maybe time. it's 600. I don't remember what the number is, but just remember going, okay, I'll do my regimen of Motrin, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I remember they gave me, man, like when I got to, so I started out in Korea and then I was on Fort Lewis. And like anytime we were going anywhere, they'd go, go to the med station, get a typhoid shot. I'm like, dude, like we're only going to Eastern Washington. What's <laughs> that <not> like? <laughs> <laughs> when I leave in country, like, yeah, shut up, go get another typhoid shot. Like, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, I didn't, haven't had the flu since like 92 either, but there you go. Yeah. I mean, I've always had to take the flu shot, nasal shot, whatever they give you. Um, matter of fact, I just got a nasty gram because I haven't submitted my flu shot paperwork yet this year. That's due by <laughs> December. So um, uh, I, I got to do that, but I, I don't care. I really don't. I'm not the, I'm not a doctor and I'm not political. Right. So I tell people they're like, Oh, you, you're going to take that experiment. I, just, I don't care. Like the stuff I have to face at work, the houses right. I have to go into, like I've given up trying to worry about that stuff. Like <laughs> if, if, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. I can't, I, there's nothing I can say or do about it. You know, I'm just going to do my best to help people as I go along. And right. You know, if I feel like it's I funny get too, too unsafe, then I won't do it. But Right. And that's kind of what was interesting. I'd have those conversations with people. How are you just going to go ahead and get this vaccine? I'm like, dude, I'm like, it's going to be okay. I've had so many vaccines and right. injections and exposures. Yeah. Yeah, and if if that, I get it. If you work in a cubicle, and right that's on. your job, and you you don't want to risk that stuff. Like, okay, cool. That's that's your thing. But I chose a life of service. Right. Whatever it requires to keep doing what I love to do, I'm going to do it. That's why mm-hmm. I do what I do. That's right. why we're doing podcasts because it's not it's not enough to do what we do. I found no, out I, there's a new way I can help. Right. So I'm going to use that platform. 
because nobody's using it. They're not allowed to. Now, medical side, you all have a little more freedom than what police do. Right. Um, But uh, I am luckily, you know, lucky enough to have a chief that supports what I'm doing. Um, You know, I still have to be careful. I could still get fired. Um, And chiefs, you know, they typically only last five years at the most. So just because this one chief supports what I'm doing, you know, my stuff's on the Internet. It's there forever. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, right. it's, it's out there. So if the next chief comes in and an episode I did two years ago flares up and he's like, Oh, I don't like that. You're gone. That's, that's a risk I'm taking. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, we don't typically, as, especially like in Michigan and stuff like that, all of the EMS providers are, are typically nonprofit, but private, private agencies. We're not, right. I'm yeah, not affiliated with the municipality. I don't have those same concerns. Right. At MMR, fortunately, they like the assistant VP of operations has been on the show twice. And like, so I have their full support and like, yeah, they link it into newsletters each week and all the, all the things. So I'm fully supported. So yeah, we, I don't have the same concerns, but other than if, you know, get a new president and he doesn't like it, you know, now, yeah, I mean, yeah. that also isn't going to happen because we already know who the next president's going to be and she's coming on the show next week. Oh, so, okay. like, so like it's, I'm in a different, I'm in a different situation. I'm not going to, yeah, no one's going to get mad. Yeah. Now here's a question for you. Do you listen to your own show? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do it for multiple reasons. Um, one, because while I'm talking, in doing an interview with somebody, um, it, it, I try to be as involved in the conversation as I can be, but there's still a lot going on in my mind. Cause I'm a one man show, even though I'm called two cops one donut. Um, uh, it, I originally started out with the idea of doing two cops, you know, hosting and then having a guest, but, uh, it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to. But once the name was there, I just left it. So, right. um, but now that I'm a one man show anyway, it's like, I am worried, you know, I'm, there's all these worries. I'm looking at my cameras. Okay. Are all my cameras running? Yeah, they're good. You know, and I'm talking and I'm taking, you know, I got, I keep notes, you know, next to me, I'm writing times down. I am involved in the conversation, but I'm not all the way there. I'm, right. I'm divided. So I, when I edit, you know, I'm listening and I'm going through uh, but eventually once the episode is done and it's fully edited, I go through and I listen to it to and from work. Like I, I don't just sit down and listen to the whole thing at once, but cause it's long, <laughs> right. you know, but yeah, I listen to it on the way to work and I do that for quality control. Um, and I do it because sometimes the guest is just really interesting. Like what I'm listening to, I just I find myself captivated by what they're talking about and you know, I have right some now. boring guests and I've had some interesting guests and it's just the nature of the beast. But, uh, yeah, I, I typically listen to my own episodes. So hmm. yeah. see what's wild is I, I just don't. Yeah. Like Ashley will edit it and she listens to it a bunch. Yeah. And I, I, so I just typically I'll do the show and then that'll be it. Unless somebody yeah. gets pissed at something I and wants to talk about it, then I'll be like, Oh, like I'm an older dude with ADD. So I'm like, I don't remember that I said that. So I'll go back yeah. and listen and I'll be like, Oh, I sure did. Well, let me explain. 
Yeah, I would recommend listening to it because you also improve. Like you, you start to hear yourself, and you're like, "Man, I I say so." Like I, that was one of the things I found out about myself. I'm like so, so, and like I'm. That's all that stuck out. So then, for the next ten episodes, I did. I just solely concentrated on not <laughs> saying so, so. Yeah, you know, like I kept doing it. Um, and now that you're hearing that from me, you're going to hear, you're going to go back and listen to an episode. You're like, Oh shit. He does say that a lot. Like, why does he say so, so much? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely recommend listening to yourself just cause they, you know, self-improvement and you know, oh, yeah. just yeah, all that yeah. stuff. That's true. Uh, it, it's weird. It is weird hearing yourself. Um, and, and, and awkward. Cause that's how I am. I feel awkward hearing myself. And, uh, eventually you just, you get through, you know, I've, got almost a hundred episodes out now. Um, not to mention all this other stuff that I do. Um, I'll do one of the things I like to do. Um, I know this probably isn't the premise of what the show is about today, but, uh, I like to watch body cam footage live. I'll do it live. And I've got, yeah, I told us telling you about restream. So everybody that's uh-huh. on Facebook, YouTube that follows me and stuff, it'll, it'll show it on all those platforms live. And it allows them to chat. So while I'm watching this body cam footage, I will act as though I'm the officer on the call. And I will tell people how I would handle what's happening as it's happening. And I've never watched it. So I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking. I'm literally telling you what I would do as it's developing. And then most of the time I'm like Nostradamus and the officer does the exact thing that I'm, that I said I would do or we take totally different paths, but we get to the same result, which is right. awesome. Um, or the officer really screws the pooch, in my opinion, and he he doesn't even come close to what I said. But you see the problems he has, and then I'll pause it and I let people talk. You got any questions? You know, so it's very interactive. It's a way to teach and talk and give perspective from the mindset of just one officer who's done the job. And then you're like, oh my god, he's like all the stuff he's saying. This officer's still doing too. So like the training. Maybe training isn't such a big issue as much as it's personalities. Right. Some people's personalities are different. They go down different paths, but we can all reach the same goal. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of what we do. Just same with medical. You right. know, just because, you know, you would use an Israeli bandage here and this dude's trying to use direct pressure. Like right. we we accomplish the same goal. Just to me, I, Israeli bandage is the the end all be all of all things. I love Israeli bandage. Right. And, uh, yes. We don't have yeah. access really, so we're using that be that's the one thing that I always go to. This is what we should have. This is what we should have in the trunk. Oh, your 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 team that you're you guys don't get issued those. No. No, yeah. See, I used one um MedStar, I'll I'll call him out by name. Uh had a lady run up to me. I was at the gas pump um in my patrol unit. And this is, you know, years ago when I was patrol. And uh um pumping gas, and this lady runs up to me and she's holding her wrist. And she's, you know, she, I could tell she's got like a towel or something on there. And she's like, officer, I need your help. And I was like, okay, what's going on? She's like, I cut my wrist. I'm like, on purpose? She goes, no, I was cutting my dog's hair. He's, he, I was cutting his bangs and he flinched or sneezed or something. And she flinched. Well, she cut her wrist. I goes, okay. Um, give me one second. And she goes, well, she's like, let me show you. I was like, no, no, no. And she's too late. She showed me and it was like, <laughs> Just shout out, I was like, oh, cover it, cover it, cover it, put pressure on it. You know, it's like, I know an arterial bleed. So I was like, oh, I put pressure on it, you know, and I'm gagging because I don't like that stuff. <laughs> so she's, 
I get her to put pressure back on there. I run to my car. I had uh Israeli bandage um from a a kit that um our our uh medical trainer for our unit or for our, our department, she was a prior army medic. Um oh, okay. medic. And uh, she got our department to issue out these med kits. They included an Israeli bandage in there. So I get the Israeli bandage out. I, I knew how to use that. I'm not a medical guy, but, you know, military self-aid buddy care. Um, I got that Israeli bandage on there, put it down. Well, MedStar shows up, our ambulance. And uh, I'm explaining what happened. I said, oh, she's got an arterial bleed. We got the direct pressure on there. I got Israeli bandage. Um, it has, it, like, it's not oozing out. So I think we've... Stymied it for a little while, like, and right. like, okay, well, we got to assess it. I'm like, don't take that bandage off. And they're like, well, we, how do you take this off? And I'm like, don't take it off. Like, it's, I've got it controlled. Like, take it off of the house. I'm telling you, it's an arterial bleed. Like, I'm, I know I'm not a medical guy, but you got to trust me on this. And they're like, we have to assess the wound. And they take it off and they have no idea, one, how to get it off, and two, what an Israeli bandage is. So, right. th- they do it like in a very, what I would call crude manner. And I probably made the bleed worse. And, uh, you know, she starts bleeding again. It shoots across the poor gas station attendant's desk because I, I brought her inside. I wanted her to drink some orange juice. She said she was feeling faint. So right. I didn't I didn't know what else to give her. So I went and stole an orange juice out of the thing. And they're like, oh, and I was like, commandeered, commandeered, yeah, yeah, commandeered. There you go. <laughs> so <laughs> tactically appropriated uh, and uh, got her going on that. And then. Um, yeah, so I get a, I get a call the next day from their supervisor and like, Hey, you know, you use this bandage and my team didn't know what it was and da 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 and started bringing up questions. And, um, can you explain to me what it is? I'm like, it's an Israeli bandage. Have you never heard of an Israeli bandage? He's like, yeah, I know what an Israeli bandage is. I was like, well, what did they tell you it was? They said it was some foreign bandage. I was like, foreign band. They didn't, they just didn't remember the name. And so he's like, you had an Israeli bandage? Why? How'd you get that? And then he finds out the department was issuing them out because of a former army combat medic, you know, shout out to Brandy Camper. <laughs> and uh, she ended up creating a tactical medical unit for us, which was really cool. But um, yeah, so she had no clue what an Israeli bandage was. And that to me is the best piece of equipment yeah, an officer can have other than a tourniquet. Yep, Absolutely. But also, never, never, listener, well, most of my listeners are medics, so they already know, like, I'm not taking anything you already have on there. I don't need to see it. Right. If you told me she cut her wrist, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If I'm you're, not you're, seeing blood oozing out, okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's ride. We yeah. don't need to reassess. Yeah. I'll let them do that in the ED where they're going to do the sutures and all the work anyways. So I never seen anybody do that since then. I don't know why <laughs> that guy was so dead set on seeing the wound. And I, you know, and I don't a hundred percent buy the lady's story, but she was older. There was right. a dog in the car. Right. Visible. But man, she, she, yeah. Plausible, she cut herself but, deep, man. Yeah. It, I, I never seen blood shoot like that, you know, and he, <laughs> I like matrixed out of the way. I was, you know, I, I, so I don't know how much of an Adam Sandler fan you are. But, oh, um, yes. I instantly, I had this instinct. I goes, you like, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have I, that too. There's stuff like, 
like people who know me know this crepitus crepitus is that feeling when you have like a closed fracture okay so the bone so like your humerus or femur tib tib whatever is not stable so when you grab it it's you feel feel the bone move yeah yeah and and there's a certain feeling that that does i mean i've been doing this a long long time and to this day if i feel that i'm instantly like (laughs) (laughs) like we had a dude recently who's a big big boy he he was pushing probably 450 and he's a dude that we respond to a lot he has seizures it's typically for that but he was in that post-dictal just out of the seizure phase and trying to walk around and when he did he busted his ankle so i get called for lift assist because the dude's a big boy and they need help getting him on the stretcher but he's trying to walk around and so he's walking around man and his foot is a like aim in the opposite direction of what he's walking. So I'm out there on full, like holding my knees. I don't know why I just can't. That's the one thing. Everything else. Yeah. Blood, oh, guts, oh, yeah. pee, poop, I, barf. It's fine. It's just nope. that crepitus feeling every single time. Like there's some, there's man, there's certain smells. But, oh, I, I don't want to get graphic on here because I uh, cops were, were, you know, I know that your group is in the church and all that stuff. I don't I won't get too too <laughs> raunchy on you. So um, we, just a heads up, if any of your listeners decide to listen to Two Cops, One Donut, there's a lot of cursing. There's a lot of cop talk. So <laughs> I, I apologize. Oh, yeah. Uh, not quite. Yeah, the we just keep it. It's cool, though, because like our senior pastor. Cause like when, when, when I would say first responder language or veteran language or soldier language is in context, he's like all for it, but okay, he doesn't run the platform. So yeah, we have this standard and practices thing that I always have to adhere to, but yeah, yes, I do. I do have kind of local credentials. I do do chaplain work, but I also have spent yeah. You know, at this point, decades in the industry. So, yeah, I told and, Ashley when she reached, I was like, I, I will do my best to be as G rated <laughs> as I can. If it slips out, I apologize. She's like, Oh, you're fine. You're fine. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. But you know what? Like, honestly, that's a part of it with, with our people who listen from the church that I want. Like, it doesn't, our language and our jokes, you know, and like people, what I say all the time is like, like, and it's pretty much a hundred percent of the time. But if I'm on something super gnarly, my next move post that call is to get a burrito and, and people will be like, I don't understand how you could actually be, I'm like, what, see dead guy and want a burrito. It's just, yeah just is it is how it's it's a coping mechanism so for those listening when you when when first responders talk and have the dark humor that we have and all of that stuff there's there's only certain outlets that we have to go to while we're on the scene or while we're in that environment we can't go work out vigorously we can't you know those are these are these are post coping mechanisms that we use so this is where you'll get kind of the nerdy side of me and um you got post traumatic injury post traumatic stress post traumatic 
stress disorder, whatever you want to call it. I like PTI, post-traumatic injury, because it really, it really is an injury more than it is right. a disorder, in my opinion. Um, so as we start to go down that road, when we do see the amount of traumas we see, we see more traumas in a night than most people see in a lifetime. Right. And that's statistically accurate. That is a statistically significant truth. Um, uh, as, as truthful as statistics can be, um, a very small margin of error. Uh, so, um, with the amount of traumas and stuff that we see coping mechanisms develop and it, it's actually cultural the way that these coping mechanisms develop. So when you are saturated in, let's go with the police culture, there's these cynicisms, these, uh, very cynical people. Um, there's very, uh, dark sense of humor. There's, uh, there's all sorts of ways that when you look from the outside looking in, you're like, what the hell? These are not the people I want, right. you know, being out there serving the public. Um, but it, it, when you start to realize the psychological side of that, that it's a way to immediately start to disperse some of the stress while they're there, while they're involved, because the, the post way of dealing with that is talking about it and, right. and, and, and doing what we're doing, um, or, uh, vigorous workouts, or some people go to alcohol. Some people go to, uh, pharmaceuticals and, and then those are the, the more dangerous paths that officers need to be aware of. And, uh, the more we have these conversations, the more we start to realize, um, cause suicide is very high in first responder life. Um, and things like that. So having these conversations are very important and understanding from people that don't do the job, but support their police, support their first responders, whatever it is, start to realize, okay, I see what's happening. I don't need to be offended by it. I just need to understand like, maybe this is this, the officer needs help. This is a way to cope on the scene, but he needs something more down the line because you, if he doesn't do it there, that outlet's going to come out somewhere and he's going to be, it, that guy's got to go to the next call. You know, right. you got to go to your next call. So right. you just dealt with a dead baby call. And the next thing you got to go do is deal with a homeless person that is just trying to, to get a free ride that, because they don't want to deal with what their life's like right now, which right. happens. And, right. and it's sad to say, but now you got to last this. call is not their problem. Yeah. The last call is not their problem yet. You're expected to be a professional and deal with that right. and not snap. So, right. um, the public doesn't see that and the public, it's not that the, it's not that the individual isn't educated in that. They don't understand that. It. It's just the masses don't understand that right. because we're dealing with what we deal with now. Um, right. so, the more we talk about it, the more people can see that. I always tell people, go do a ride out. You know, I know our ambulance has ride outs all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys do the same thing. Police can do the same thing. So go do a ride out. And I recommend Saturday nights. If you can find a full moon night, that's even better. Um, I fully believe in the full moon uh, being (laughs) a catalyst for crazy, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something to know, something to pay attention to. And Really get involved. If you really want to start getting um, more knowledge about first responder life, the first thing I recommend people dive into is the psychology behind um, a day shifter versus a night shifter. Because that makes a difference. 
you know, anybody that's ever worked a night shift, you don't have to be a first responder, but um, there's certain uh, scientific things that happen to your body. Your cortisol levels shoot way up high. You know, your eat your food, your diet, your diet it takes a dip because the only thing that's available is fast food unless you pack right. your lunch. So exercise goes down because your time to work out is gone. You're not seeing the sun anymore. Your vitamin, vitamin D, you know, shoots way right. down. And if you grew up in Michigan, your vitamin D is already low because the clouds cover the sky, you know, not eight months out of the year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't work. I worked, I worked the nights, when I, I used to, we used to be on 24 hour shifts. So obviously then, but then I worked just when we switched to 12 hour, uh, shifts, I worked nights when we first started that. And it was just not for me. So I've worked, you know, day shift. I work currently seven thirty to seven thirty, and Oh, you guys do 12s. Yeah. And that's, that's what works for me. That's I'm at my healthiest, you know, I just, I'm not wired to be that night shift guy. Yeah. Nothing but love for night shifters. Cause they do it and I don't, but yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not set up. And I knew that quickly because you're right. All of those things you just said, that's accurate. Yeah. I started carrying a kettlebell in my patrol car. Really? Yeah. So for any young cops listening, get a kettlebell. It doesn't have to be super heavy. I, I think when I started, I had like a 26 pounder. Um, and if I had some downtime, get out of the car and do five, 10 minutes with that kettlebell, you'd be amazed at what it does for your sleep. You know, cause a lot of times when we work nights, we get home, we're wired. We're still not ready to go to sleep, you know? And then it's hard to stay asleep when that sun's up, unless you blacked out your room. And then on top of that, everybody else in the house, if you got a family's awake. So where is your sleep patterns when, you know, if you're a single right. guy, that's different, you know, but if you're single, you typically live in an apartment everybody's still moving up and moving around unless you got that one quiet apartment, you know, I'm just right. going down the path. And, um, you know, so I started carrying a kettlebell. I realized my diet was a big deal. Um, luckily my dad was a cop. I grew up with a cop in the family. So I knew, um, that, uh, it, it could be nightlife as a, and I did 10 years straight of working midnights. I loved it. I, I liked it working midnights, but I had a system. I packed my lunch most of the time. I ate pretty clean. Um, mm -hmm. uh, cause I learned that, you know, that going the opposite way from my dad, like, like he told me like, like this is what's going to happen. You can eat that way, but you're going to regret it. And then, uh, the kettlebell thing I came up with on my own. I was like, Oh my God, I think nice. I got it from Joe Rogan. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah keeping a kettlebell in the car and just making sure I took the time to go do 10, 15 minutes at a time when I could. And, you know, if I got a call while I'm doing it, it was, all right, let me finish the set, throw it back in the car, take off. And, you know, got a cannonball rolling around the back seat. You got to be careful. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So what's your, what's the call volume like? Well, you're in your detective. Now. Yeah. Now I'm a detective. I'm, I'm kind right. of a hybrid. I'm in a weird position. Um, uh, and it's a position that I kind of developed, um, so I'm a detective slash corporal. And basically what that means is uh, I work for a property crimes team. I go after thieves and burglars. That's my main thing right now. And I have a team of about five officers that work with me and I will take cases for property crimes. I'll find leads, give it to those officers. They go out, they try to find ID people, um, 
do warrant services on them, whatever it is. And I go out with them and kind of direct them. Um, so it, that's the hybrid, you know, I'm not, I'm not just stuck in the office. I actually go out and do enforcement. Okay. But it's very, it's like cherry picking in a way. Right. Um, I'm not subject to call, you know, if somebody calls for a patrol officer, like I have nothing to do with those. So, but, uh, yeah, I did, I did patrol for about 10 years. And so out there, what's the volume like? Um, like they call to call to call, call to call. Yeah. And when you get on shift, there's calls holding typically. I will say around, you know, midnight to 3 a.m. It's, it's pretty dead. Most of the time, um, you do have some downtime. If you're an evenings officer, meaning from like two to, you know, 10 p.m. or whatever their little shift is, uh, that is, that's a hectic moment, man. I, I would never want to work evenings, but there's people that love it. They swear by it. Yeah. So is like where in your area, I'm not like geographically educated with Texas, but do you have to deal with any like Southern border issues? Um, so all of Texas has to deal with Southern border issues. Yeah. You've okay. got human trafficking cartels. You got all that stuff going on. So, yep. It's, it's all up here and I, and I'm okay. Northern Texas. I'm in the DFW. So, um, but yeah, for sure. I actually had a call. Um, I was a bicycle unit in the downtown area of my city and a valet driver that I'm, um, friends with i'm you know i'm pretty tight i'm very much a community police oriented person which for me means not just you know talking to citizens and getting to know them but your business owners your workers all that stuff of all the the local shops and hotels or whatever it is you're you're by so i get to know everybody well i made really good friends with a valet guy enough that he had my cell phone number and he texted me hey dude uh can you come over here i think i got a stolen car that's weird. How would you know you have a stolen car? Like what, <laughs> what are the signs and some of these, but I didn't ask questions on the thing. I just went. So I was like, all right, I'll go over there. So I pedal my little bike over there and see him. And he's like, all right, see this car. I was like, yeah, it's a nice car. Why do you think it's stolen? He's like, see that guy sitting at the bar. And so I'm like trying, I'm outside trying to look through a kind of tinted window, but I see who he's talking about. And he's like, go in the security room and go get it. Look at the camera and look at this guy. Um, he's like, you'll see what I'm talking about. So I go in there and we're talking the downtown area of like a very, you know, that's a million people. It's a ritzy mm-hmm. city in this area. So I see who he's talking about. This guy looks a little methed out and Aryan brotherhood ish. So I'm oh. like, uh, I'm like, Oh, I see the tattoos and I'm seeing, you know, all the signs and symbols. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm with you. This guy doesn't fit, you know, criminally profiling as we put it. <laughs> and uh i run the plate because he had the plate for me they had already parked the car and um it's stolen he's right i was like okay so i'm you know i'm not a new officer by any means at that time and i so i call for backup i get my people up there. hey i got a stolen car i know who the person is um i just want some more units over here but we'll go up and we'll just talk to him you know he's gonna get put in cuffs and all that but i want to i want to talk to him it's weird why are you here of all places why would you come here? Like it's expensive to go to this hotel. I, me personally can't afford this hotel. And you showed up here like, this is weird. Right. So, um, I approach him, go talk to him. We get him cuffed up and stuff. And he's like, he's like, it's my girlfriend gave me the car. I'm like, likely story. Where's your girlfriend? Oh, she's up in the room. Oh, you got a room here. Yeah. Can we go up there? Yeah. Here's the key. Okay, cool. Don't need a warrant now. So, 
go up there, knock on the door just because I don't want to barge in and see something I don't want to see. Done this right. job too long. And so knock on the door, girl answers the door. Oh, hey, officers, come on in. Oh, sweet. She's as nice as can be. The room is littered in manila folders that are filled up with paperwork. I mean, littered. We're talking a like, think of a gigantic hotel room with two king size beds, maybe mm-hmm. queen. I could be exaggerating with a kitchenette. So it's a big hotel room. And uh, I'm looking and I see some meth on the counter and some drugs and stuff. So I'm like, okay, got something right there that I know I can arrest her for. So I put her in cuffs and uh, I'm like, what's, what's going on? And she's like, uh, you know, she's like, Oh, nothing. We just, you know, I got my boyfriend here and we're, we're doing some business. And I was like, all right, like you're not being, she's not lying. Let me put it that way. I know she's not lying. It's just, I didn't know the right questions to ask because I didn't know what the hell I had. It just was so weird. I mean, when I say littered, I'm talking every surface of the beds, two king size beds, there was no surface you could see. Any counter space also had manila folders filled with paperwork. It was everywhere. And so I backed out. I was like, this is over my head as a as an officer. I was like, I, I need help on this. I got dope. I know that guy's gang affiliated. So let me call gang. Let me call narcotics. Let me call those two units and see if they want to come help. Call gang. They don't want nothing to do with it. Call narcotics. They do. They show up. They come out. And... uh narcotics is the ability to write a search warrant and all that stuff right on the spot. So they write a quick search warrant just to cover our bases, even though I had stuff in plain sight. And uh, they're like, all right, you, you know, Levine, you go take that room. I'm going to take this room and I'll have our other guy take that guy. So, or this room. So um, there's three rooms total. So we, we go the first thing I open up the first manila folder. I see, I see M two forty, and then a number like a money number. And then I see um, M19 and then another number, like a dollar amount. So for those that aren't familiar with military weapons, these are military grade weapons. I'm not talking like a an assault rifle, you know, like the media likes to point. I'm talking full machine guns that you use in war only. <laughs> so um, and a grenade launcher. So I was like, okay, that's really weird. You know, we got a dollar amount and a weapons list. So I backed out. I was like, all right, this is even way farther over my head. So I tell the narc guy, he's like, I'm going to get Homeland in here. So we get Homeland in there. Let me tell you how deep the rabbit hole went on this. Have you ever heard of Breaking Bad? Yeah. This is my Breaking Bad story. This is one I believe in Breaking Bad. So um, as we go down, we find out this girl was working for the cartel. She was trafficking weapons from Oklahoma, Arizona, New Mexico, Louisiana, and Texas. She had terminal cancer, um, pancreatic cancer, and knew it. And she got hooked up with her friend from high school, the guy that we got downstairs, who was an Aryan Brotherhood guy and into dealing dope. So she was trying to make as much money as she could before she died for her daughter, who was like six, seven years old. Yeah. Well, while she gets hooked up with him, he knows the story. So he goes and talks to his uh, Mexican friend and, and from Mexico. I'm not being racist or anything like a Mexican friend. Right. And uh, he's like, I know some friends in the cartel. They could use you. And 
she fully didn't care if she got caught because she was going to rat no matter what. She didn't care. So she starts doing this. She gets really successful and, and does a good job. And she's got a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank. So Homeland gets there and Homeland is like, all right, let's see if she knows what, what she's at. like. They, they couldn't believe it. Um, so she starts naming places and addresses and the Homeland guys come back and, you know, it, normally a patrol guy like me, a bike officer, they wouldn't let me be privy to that stuff. But I asked specifically, I was like, this is so far beyond anything I've ever done. Can I please just be a fly on the wall and, 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 and observe I'm like, Oh yeah, absolutely. If you want to learn, yeah, stay and learn. So I got to watch all this go down. They literally froze her assets on the scene. Never heard of that before. Didn't know that was a thing. And were able to verify the information which she was giving on the scene and see that she wasn't full of crap. And then basically made a deal with her. Like we're going to keep continuing to work with you. As long as you keep panning out, we will allow you to pass what you've earned from the cartel onto your daughter. We won't take the, we won't take that asset. And she did. I didn't get that any follow on breaking bad. Right there. I didn't get any follow through on that, but that is a legit wow. thing. That's my first time. I was so scared about being involved in a cartel case, even though they probably they used an alias on my name and I really didn't do anything, but I was like, Oh my God, I'm associated. Like what I, what do you do? But yeah, actual breaking bad case. So that when I tell people that the cartels are all, oh man, they are so saturated in Texas. Yeah. Human trafficking. Yeah. That's really bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I don't think people fully know, especially when you get to this area. I don't think people, Oh man. I think they want to think they know, but I don't yeah. think people really know. Yeah. So let me, okay. Let me get shed some Michigan perspective. Cause I remember, as a Michigan cop hearing about illegal immigrants and all that stuff. And remember, I remember specifically having the thought they broke the law. They need to go back. Like there's no reason to let illegal immigrants stay. And then I got doing the job and being involved. And I will tell you that I've completely switched that mindset. And I'll tell you why, um, working patrol midnights. Um, it was slow. I was bored. Looking for traffic stops, see a truck, taillights out, trucks are dilapidated. It just looked like, you know, crap anyway. Ton of tiny traffic infractions, you know, not using his blinker, um, speeding like maybe, you know, a couple miles over. And I'm just following this truck and I see all these, these things, you know, cracked windshield. I'm like, oh man, like, all right, let me, I'm not necessarily going to write a ticket yet, but. I'm like, I'm gonna pull this car over because there's nothing else going on. This 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 truck deserves to be pulled over at least to find mm-hmm. out more. So pull the truck over. Guy pulls into a driveway. Well, what I did was I pulled him over into his, his home. I didn't know that, but at the time, like he pulls over and uh, I'm like, hey man, you know, I do the same thing I always do with everybody. I'm Officer Levine. The reason I pulled you over is this, that, and the other. Um, what's going on? He speaks English decent enough. But um, he doesn't have a license. Uh, everything's out of date. Um, the one thing he did have was insurance. That's the only thing that he had that was legit was his insurance. And I see he's wearing like a, a traffic worker, like he works on roadways and stuff like that. And like I said, we're talking midnight and 1, 2 a.m. 
a lot of Texas roadway workers work nights because it's so hot in the daytime. You just can't work out there. Right. Um, so get them pull over. Well, all of a sudden, like 15 people pour out of this house and it, they're young. They're not like maybe one or two people that would have been of an age to be a threat, but the rest of them were kids. And, uh, so I start talking to him. Hey dude, you like nothing. He did have a Mexican ID, but that's not a driver's license or anything that we recognized. Right. So, um, I mean, it, it could be a driver's license could be ID. I don't know. I'm not Mexican. I'm not from Mexico. I don't know the difference and it doesn't translate over here anyway. So see his ID. And I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't be on the road. Like you're a huge liability for once. It's like two, none of your stuff's legit. And he's like, I know, sir. He's like, I'm, I'm working now. I just got hired with, he's working basically for the state text dot is what it's called. And he's doing roadways now. He's like, I got the money for insurance right now. I'm working my way up to get the rest of this stuff. That's what he's telling me. He's like, I got to take care of all of my family. I'm the only one that can work. I'm the only one that's learned English. He's like, I'm trying to teach them. But he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I the, the, the epiphany, the light bulb went off. I'm like, oh my God, this guy has done all of this for them, which he's trying to live the American dream that he could not achieve where he's at. Yeah, he's here illegally. Yeah, he did it wrong. But he's here for the right reasons. And he's here trying to do the right thing. Same things that I would, I would do for my family. If I grew up, I, I, I just right. happened to be hit the jackpot of where I was born. Um, sort of Flint, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, and, and I see that. And then that's when I just realized like, geez, man, I, I had the wrong perspective. Um, you know, it's easy for Michigan because I don't have to deal with any of that. I never seen right. any of that before, but then I get down there and I see it all over the place. And the overwhelming majority is that type of person. The, the, the bad ones I can deal with because right. I've, I've got the power to do that. When I run across them, you know, you're a legal immigrant, you're, you're robbing, you're stealing, you're doing all this. Like I can, I can do something about that. But this guy here, like I can do the beauty of my job. I don't have to do anything and I can try to help them. So right. that's what I did. I didn't write him any tickets, didn't do any of that. And uh, I told him what he needed to do to get that stuff remedied. Cause some of the stuff he could have got fixed right away. He just didn't know. He didn't, he needed, right. he needed somebody to tell him. So helped him out. And uh, that's dope. That's cool, it's that, man. It's that bigger picture stuff. So, for my Michigan folk, when you when you really get on that high horse about, you know, illegal immigration, let me tell you, I was the same way. And until I started actually dealing with it face to face, um, my I, I really did change my mind, you know. Right. So there's that. Well, let's see. So I, I grew up in California. So Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a different it was a different place in the seventies. Just saying. Northern but, California? Um, both, <laughs> both. When we were little, we lived in Thousand Oaks, which is a, you know, everything in Cali is measured by time. So we're about two and a half hours north of Los Angeles, and then in the high school years, we lived in the East Bay, lived by Oakland. 
Oh, Oakland, California, huh? Uh-huh. Actually, so in bumping, Oakland. Yes. He was bumping NWA every day. No. <laughs> no. But, you know, it, it was, that was, a, that was a wild, wild place. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> living, you know, living out there and knowing people coming through desperate to get to America, you know, my whole life, this has always been a, like a working knowledge that I had. Yeah. So I've always had that kind of perspective that you gained of like, these are people yeah. that are desperate to get away from a situation that's horrible to get yeah. to a place of the American dream that we all just yep. freely get to have. So it's, you know, there's, obviously there's bad, there's bad people uh, coming through as well, but yeah. Yep. There's, there's 32 States in Mexico, I believe. Um, 19 of them, I uh, I think is the number, May, maybe more now, because this was a few years ago that I had this training, but 19 of them were cartel ran. Right. So, I mean, they are very close to becoming a failed, what's considered a failed country because of right. the cartels. Right. Um, and it, when I and tell just people. brutal murders. Just. Oh. Oh. People, like, oh. killed dead and hung from the overpass is real. That's not oh. just TV. Yeah, I ain't without getting too graphic on here. Um, people, you, when I talk about an unheard of cruelty that the cartels do to just regular people, not just politicians or media or anything like that, it, you you would really anything you can imagine. You're 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 underestimating. It's the yeah. worst of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well wild yeah so wild lifestyle like i did an episode a couple weeks ago and we talked about it being like like these lifestyle careers you know what i mean it's not just it is it is a job law enforcement you know emergency medical services fire service it is a job but it's it's like one of those lifestyle things where it's just it is so much of who you are Mm mm-hmm you know, and so, so much more to negotiate than just yep. punching the clock and going home. It's a calling. Right. That's, that's the simplest way to, I mean, uh, if we want to go on the religious side of things, I mean, you know, most preachers, uh, pastors, whatever you want. I grew up in a Catholic church. Um, it's a calling for them. Right. I could never, ever in my life imagine doing what they do. You know, you know, some religions, celibacy and all that stuff. Like, no, no <laughs> way. But there's a lot of people that look at me and think the same thing, right? It's, I love what I do. I love it. When I tell people like, how could you be a cop in this day and age? People hate cops. Like you don't understand. I love it. And where I'm at, I'm supported. Like I'm very, I'm not dumb. I'm going to, I'm not going to go someplace where they, they don't like us. Uh, you know, that could change, you know, in a, in a day, but where I'm at currently, they love us. I'm going to continue to try to be the example of the stuff they love and be on, you know, keep them on my side. Um, you know, and, and, and doing the podcast stuff, that's, I'm trying to change that stigma, you know, it's social media, the, the silent ma- minority or I'm, no, that's right. The loud minority has really stained police work. Right. And, and that, that stinks, but it'll flip. I, I'm very optimistic. I'm an optimistic person in a very cynical, pessimistic career field. So, you know, like, so for 
like I'm the same way. I love doing this job. This is the reason that I'm 52. You know, I've had a broken neck. I've had all kinds of. You're 52. You know, yeah. Give me hope I, to keep looking good when I get that age, brother. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> but like you go into it, right? You go into it knowing that you're going to get beat up a little bit mentally. You're going to beat up a little bit physically, but you're called to it. So you just keep, keep doing the thing. So I like, I love doing this equally. And when people are like, why are you still out here? You're, yeah. you know, you should be in the autumn of your career. And I'm like, cause I can't, cause I can yeah. still, so I'm going to still, but I will share this with you, man. I will. So COVID is happening and it's, it was really that early first wave. And I had always been the kind of guy, like I understand that people have beef with the police and then I understand why, and I don't, but I get it. So I don't really, but the first time that I ever was really super like, I, I'm not even going to say offended. I was pissed. So we would do this thing like every morning that our, our early morning crews would go to the local hospitals and all the cops and all the fire trucks. And we put on the lights and stand there and applaud the nurses and docs when they came and went. Oh, during, really? Like during early, early COVID. That's awesome. And, and then, and we were just trying to show support. And then yeah. like, you're part of us now, you're part of the first responder world. This is different than you've ever seen. We have your back. And then George Floyd happens and all the same doctors and nurses came out and took a knee and put a fist up. And I was like, like, I've said this on this show before. I was like, what? So like, I, I've got two perspectives on that. One, I don't know any cops that saw that video and didn't get pissed. Right. I don't know any cops. Absolutely right. Um, we were all kind of in solidarity with that. Like that is messed up. And then um, at the same time, the other aspect of that is like, why are you again? Like be against that guy. He right. did that act. He needs to be held accountable. Um, and, and, and if you're asking my personal opinion, uh, I will tell you straight up. That guy was trying to show the crowd that you're not going to tell me how to do my job. That's what that was. It wasn't, I don't think that he had any animosity towards George Floyd. I think he had animosity towards the crowd that was trying to tell him how to do his job. And he was, he doesn't like that. And he was flexing right. like, Oh, you can, you're not going to tell me how to do what I do. And I'm going to stay right here. And it, it, it that it's what happened. It, it is what it is. And right. he needs to be held accountable. I'm all, I'm all for that. However, to turn on police and say that police reform needs to be done and all of this. No, hold that guy. Accountable. That guy. Right. Hold that dude. He is like, no, it, nobody hates a bad cop more than good cops. Good cops. Like that's that's hundred percent. That's the normal thing. So, and, and I, you know, there's what, I think they say there's just shy of a million cops in the, in the United States, you know, and the, now what do we got? Nobody wants to be a cop. Nobody. Right. Hiring is hard now. So, right. and and then you did the defund stuff. So now those cities are flip. They've already flipped the script on that. Like they're like, okay, that was a mistake. But um, <laughs> look at my hand. I, I do push ups in the road and I do oh. it on tar. So my hands are like stained. I can't get rid of them. So if you're watching the video part, I don't know if you do the video part, but my palms are stained from tar on the road. But uh, yeah. So, um, that's the way I see that. And 
do I fault anybody for taking a knee and putting their fist up? No. Because I understand what you're doing. You're trying to show sympathy. You're trying to show that that man did not deserve to go out the way that he did, even though right. medically speaking, he probably was going to die anyway because he was ODing. Um, but regardless, like I watched, I, I trained cops. I was a academy instructor. And there is no way in hell that should he should have never been pulled out of that car. Why was he pulled out of the car? He was already in there in cuffs. Shouldn't have been pulled out. That's my opinion. Um, doesn't mean I'm right, but um, that's my opinion. That was a complete flex move in my opinion. So I see right. that and uh, it just, it just irritates me, but uh, I can't change that outcome. I can't change what happened. I can't change any of the stuff that happened throughout this process. But what I can do is continue to do a good job and Correct. try to, show positive and keep depositing positive interactions and doing the things that I do. So right. within that, with every tragedy, I, I always see the good that comes out of them. Now look at the training we have. There is definitely training going on where you don't put your shin across people's necks and you don't do it. Like it's common sense to me and the department I'm at, cause we right. don't do that anyway. But you know, I understand that there's a lot of departments that don't get the, the, I'm babied. I get the best training. I get, I got a lot of money that goes towards us. Um, right. So I'm very spoiled where I'm at, but coming from Saginaw as a cop, I realized how bad we had it up there. So I've got, I've got good perspectives on both sides and realize that, you know, I can't, I can't look at a department and get mad at the terrible training they have because there's just, you no don't budget. get the money. There's no right. budget for it. So, you, you know, you definitely can get what you pay for in some things. And that's one of them. Please mm -hmm. folks do not be on that defund the police movement. If anything, you need to, you need to fund it more and training, you need to be right. more stringent on who you hire. That is the key. Be more right. stringent on who you hire because the way it is right now, it's so hard to get cops. Everybody's like, well, let's lower the standards a little bit so we can get more bodies. Now, Quality over quantity, please. Every time do that. If we could figure Absolutely. out a way to have a social uh, standard, that would be key because there's a lot of times these people pass all of our tests, whether it's physical, mental, all this stuff, they pass all these tests, but you sit down for the oral interview and you just know that this guy is socially awkward and has no social skills, but you can't eliminate them for that. There's no standard right. on that. And I'm, I'm sit there and I'm like, this guy's going to get in and within the first five years, he's going to get fired or get somebody hurt or get himself hurt because Man, I got skills. a buddy that struggles. He applied to Michigan state PD. <laughs> Couldn't get past the, he got like third interview next. Yeah. Flint second interview next His sweetest dude ever. It's just his demeanor and the way he talks. Yeah. Sounds super smug. Like he's not that way, but yeah. he comes across that way. And like, I'm trying to explain to this kid. I'm like, listen, dude, <laughs> yeah. you got to like speak, answer the questions they ask you in voice memos and re-listen to it. Kind of like you told me with this podcast and then hear how you sound. Mm -hmm. Cause when you talk, you sound like you're disinterested in everything. Yeah. And there's no way. 
you're going to get past that chief interview. No way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's key. If I, if I could, if I could somehow implement a new way to hire social skills is a big one because that, that more often than not is what gets a cop in trouble. They, they talk their way into trouble where you've got, and it's the same with the paramedics. I've seen a guy that's completely <laughs> chill. The, the officer's like, all right, they're here. They're going to take care of you. And then the guy gets here and, you know, you got that, the great paramedics, like, I'm going to take care of everything, brother. Like, don't worry about it. Just sit back. Tell me where it hurts. I'm going to do like, we are going to take care of you. And the guy's calm. But then you get that other paramedic and he's like, well, why the hell did you do that? And the guy's like, what? And then all of a sudden they're being judged. And then they're like, right. And now we're escalating. And, and now we've escalated this situation. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. come on guy. Like I get it. Some people need, you know, a butt chewing, but not everybody, not when they're calm. Let me, not when they're calm, right. they're already calm. Leave them be. That's right. Yeah, man. Well, this is a good jumping off point, man. I appreciate you coming on, just sharing your perspective. Oh, dude, I could go forever. So <laughs> you you have me back on as many times as you want. I will talk oh, about yeah. as many times if you want to talk about PTSD, you want to talk about physical training, any of whatever. I am right a, on. You know, I'm not a master, but I I have a lot to say. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. same, same. And I, you know, I'm just a lot of this is, is I do this for our local EMS and first responder community. That was the mission. I think the mission has changed. I'm ready to try to blow this thing up. So, yeah. All right, man. Let me know. I'm all, like I said, I'm a big helper. I would love for you to learn from my mistakes, um, you know, and, and, and do it that way. Right on. Well, so, well, if anybody out there, I always like ending this way. You can find me at twocopswindowdate.com. I am on every major platform, including YouTube, Rumble, uh, Apple, uh, Amazon, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, please check me out. If you do like what I'm doing, I'm not the go subscribe and like. No, if you like what I'm doing, please subscribe and like. But if you don't, it's not for everybody. It's for anybody, but it's not for everybody. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like all that. right. Well, thanks again for coming on and that's it.